Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf uh, show. I'm Ted Odorico, and normally right alongside uh, would be my co-host, uh, LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, uh, but she was taking part in the Marilyn Smith uh, Pro-Am event. Of course, the late Marilyn Smith was one of the original founders of the LPGA uh, organization. And of course, most notably, we uh, lost Shirley Spork, who is also uh, one of the original founders. So uh, two great ladies. And uh, Marilyn, of course, uh, has had a Pro-Am for a number of years. And uh, our very own Cindy Miller has been partaking in that event uh, over the last uh, couple of days and all the uh, festivities, if you will. And it's obviously for a good cause. Uh, Marilyn Smith, of course, uh, has raised money for uh, scholarship opportunities for young ladies to, uh, to help with their college uh, tuition and so forth. So uh, we wish her well. Hopefully Cindy uh, has done well in the event. And we'll find out uh, when she comes on uh, the next time. All right, but I'm really excited. I'm, I'm joined this morning by a very special guest. Her name is Julianne Sue. Uh, she's an Epson Tour player, uh, born in Melbourne, Australia, and her parents, Patricia and Melvin Sue. Uh, she attended Oklahoma University, but uh, considered many other uh, venues, uh, Colorado, Notre Dame, Oregon, Pepperdine, South Carolina, Texas, and Washington. So she obviously had a pick of the crop. In high school, she was a member of the volleyball and swimming teams, and academically, she finished high school with overall grade of 95 out of 100 before she attended Oklahoma. Uh, some of her other interests, of course, include fashion, boxing, art, and music, and of course, golf. And as I said, she's currently a member of the Epson Tour. So please welcome my very special guest, uh, Julianne Sue. Good morning, Julianne. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you. Um, so. As we were just talking off air, um, kind of getting an idea of what sort of the flow of uh, this morning's discussion was going to be. First off, thank you again very much for joining me this morning. I appreciate you uh, taking some time, and I'll try to make it as fun and interesting as I can. Um, but I want to go back, uh, kind of way back. I know you're, I believe, 23, correct? Uh, 25, actually. So. Yeah, oh, 25. Okay, right. Out. That was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll. We'll pretend for the time being is 23. My apologies. Um, so let me ask you something. So <laughs> trust me, when you get my age, you're going to want to dial it back real quick. Um, right. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, before we get into some of the specifics about your, uh, your game and so forth and that, when did you first develop an interest for golf? Um, it's been as long as I can remember, really. Um, I think I really started taking a keen interest when I was probably around eight. Um, and that was just through my dad 
uh, he was a fanatic at golf back in the day, um, and so he would always <laughs> just kind of go play golf uh, wherever he could at whatever course he could. Um, and I loved hanging out with my dad. So eventually, like, he was always kind of going off to these strange places that were called golf courses. And I said, I asked him to take me with me with him one day, and I took a real keen interest after that. Now, did he sort of teach you earlier on, or did you get sort of connected with a, a golf professional early in your career? Um, for the most part, I was kind of a – we started pretty slow. We would just do, like, little junior clinics. He would kind of bring me along in the cart when he would play, um, and I would just hit a few golf balls here and there. But for the first couple of years, it was pretty slow in terms of um, – like he would just take me to the driving range and he would sort of coach me, but his coaching would be he'd place the ball on the tee and say, hit it as hard as you can. <laughs> so, yeah. And then eventually, I think once I got to about 10 is when I took, you know, my first real sort of lessons. And after that, it really just kind of escalated because um, I picked it up pretty quick. And so I ended up having to, you know, get a handicap and then join a club and start entering junior tournaments. And then it just kind of snowballed after that. Yeah, it kind of sounds similar to um, my beginning as well. I was about seven when I really started to seriously take an interest. Before that, I was just sort of swinging a golf club wherever. Um, but my dad did the same thing. He just basically put the peg in the ground, put the ball out, and said, go ahead and hit it as hard as you can. So it was very similar. <laughs> yeah. um, was there a point, obviously, you know, when you – sort of drifted into taking some junior clinics. What was the deciding factor? Like, what was your thought process when you said, you know what, this is something I'd like to do? Was that, was that something that came a little bit later on? Um, I think I really started to knuckle in a little more seriously when I was about 15, but I think the moment where it really started, I guess, escalating was that I played my first, I'd played like little nine-hole events when I was about 10, and just kind of warming up to the game. And then I decided to play my first 18-hole junior event ever. And I didn't even – I had a handicap of, like, 30 or something. And I ended mm. up shooting, like, nine over. So I definitely won the net score at that point. <laughs> wow. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think once once that had happened, I think we'd realized, like, oh, I think Dad had kind of realized, like, oh, maybe I should – probably invest a little bit more time into this <laughs> for her. So that's definitely when the junior career started off, but I think I'd started taking it a little more seriously when I was about 14 or 15, looking into, like, maybe I could look at this professionally long-term. So there came a point then, obviously, that you decided this is something that I would like to do or at least pursue. Did you watch much right. golf on television um, I mean, obviously, there's, you know, the, the PGA Tour events and obviously the LPGA events. Did you watch very much golf? Were you a watcher of golf? And was there anybody particular that caught your eye that said, wow, I'd love to, you know, be able to do that? Yeah. I mean, um, growing up, I definitely watched a lot with my dad um, in the mornings, on the weekends. Um, obviously, Tiger is such an amazing player, mm -hmm. and he was just, at his peak at that time when we were um, when we would watch him when I was young and but we'd also watch a lot of the LPGA um, which was really cool and I always remember um, Kari 
holding out to to win or to get into a playoff at the well, I think back in the day it was called the Craft Nabisco. Um, yes. And like she was like the Australian idol of golf, and so we were all just like going nuts um, back <laughs> at home. And then I also liked uh, Paula Creamer because she had a pink. I used to love pink, and so I obviously she was the pink panther, and so that's how I kind of took a keen interest <laughs> in her. <laughs> well, you know, and I think that's good. And you know, it's interesting because we've we've interviewed Cindy and I over the years a number of players, um, of female players, and a lot of them surprisingly, you know, you obviously have had a, a broad interest, but. Um, a lot of them pick Tiger as an inspiration, uh, which is really unusual. I mean, you would think that it would be more somebody off the LPGA that's, oh, you know, I really like Kari or I like so-and-so, which obviously you did, but it was surprising. We asked this of a number of the girls that came on the show over the years, and it was always interesting that Tiger was somebody that really was sort of awe-inspiring to them and kind of gave them the bug, if you will, to pursue their own career um, why do you think that is? Do you, do you have any idea why you think that might be? What was it for you about Tiger's play that really impressed you, besides the obvious? I, yeah, I mean, I just think that he was just we, – we were really lucky. A lot of us that you probably interviewed have been uh, probably around my age, but we were probably lucky right. growing up because we had really seen him, like, at his peak, like, just killing it every like, – he was just – yeah on every front line of every magazine possible. It was just hard to not mm-hmm. know who he was. And so I right. think just purely from that, like it was just like, even if you didn't know golf, you knew who Tiger Woods was. And so I think just that, I don't know, celebrity attraction is just what everyone is kind of attracted to, I guess. But obviously it's just amazing in what he does. And it's just, it's just really cool to see. And well, we're really lucky to have seen it. Time. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he he was always very you know polished on the golf course, very professional, right? Um, and and obviously um, had a very not only a great physical game, but obviously um, a stellar mental game as well, which was you know a- admired by many people even to this day uh, on on all tours, not just the men's but the ladies' tour as well. It's just his ability to just knuckle down and and get it done. And mm-hmm. there were sometimes. You know, when he wasn't playing physically at his best and he would still shoot a low score, I'm sure a lot of people on tour are probably scratching their head. Is like, how the heck did he do that? Um, you know, right. with some of the shots he was hitting out there. But he just did it. It just, you know, it was almost like he willed the ball in the hole sometimes. Um, so really you moved did, on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, there was sometimes he did it. So you you had an opportunity, and I mentioned this in, in some of the opening uh, uh, credits, if you will, but... Um, that you had a lot of opportunities collegiately, and why did you settle on Oklahoma? What was it about Oklahoma that uh, uh, made your final decision? Um, Oklahoma was obviously at that time it was a great golf school, and it still is. Um, I think at that time mm-hmm. they had like Jar, the, uh, another OU player, had like won nationals and or. She had won the individual national and they had come forth and they always had all these headlines and I was, I think that was just pretty cool in itself. Um, and I, just in general as a school, I wanted a big, a big football school and coming from Australia, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted that big college um, experience, I guess. And 
I think mm. Oklahoma really did provide it. Most definitely, yeah. I mean, and uh, but I mean, you had some some other notable uh, organizations as well that really you had uh, your pick from, and Oklahoma certainly is a, a great uh, um, a great pro offers some great programs and obviously has a great golf team as well. So, golf is as you know, golf is typically um, an individual sport. You're out there on your own. You're battling it, you know, against other players, but you're essentially on your own. But now you're you're thrusted into a team format at Oklahoma. How did you find that? Because that obviously is a little bit different beast, if you will, having to now be part of a team um, playing golf. And what did you learn about yourself through that process, through your time at Oklahoma? What did you learn about yourself as a player? Um, I think I really grew a lot at Oklahoma as a person and a player. Um, I think that it just really teaches you. It's a bit of a sink or swim situation in a lot of senses because you're really just thrown in into the mix to to play golf and figure out school and, you know, do it at the same time. Um, but I really enjoyed the team aspect, actually. Um, I think that's actually one thing I, I miss being a professional now is that I miss the, the camaraderie and the, you know, your teammates kind of cheering for you always. Um, mm-hmm. But it was cool. It was a really cool experience. And I think that something that I learned about myself as a player is that um, I guess mentally it's just like it's just a mental game, really. It doesn't really matter how. Mm-hmm. I guess it's at, when it comes to the pointy end of things, it doesn't really matter how you swing it. It's more about where your mental head is at in the game. Because um, I've right. met, like coming from Australia, I guess I guess Australian or Australian golf has a lot of focus on the technical side of things, and generally yes. all the swings are pretty technically sound. You see, you know, Adam Scott and Cam Smith and right. Minji. Um, <clears throat> And that's all good and well, but there's also a lot of other different swings on tour as well that work just as well. Um, and so that's kind of what I found when I came to the States is that there's a lot of people that can play really well and there's not just one way to hit a golf ball. So, you know, you got to get out of your own way and, you know, learn how to just play. You're exactly right. And, you know, we if you go back over the history of the game and you look at some of... Um, the earlier players, uh, there was some pretty funky-looking swings. I mean, on the men's mm-hmm. side, you had people like Lee, Lee, Lee Trevino, which is going way back, Lee Trevino, but and then right. a little more recent was Jim, Jim Furyk, and, you know, that had kind of the loop. Even Freddie Couples, as much as his was very smooth, he had a long pause at the top and, and always kind of had a flailing right elbow going out. But, I mean, man, they could just, you know, hit it a mile and, and always exactly, scored well yeah. and played well. So, yeah, there was always a, a variety of... Um, of golfers out there. Um, now, I also understand, and, and hopefully I'm right on this, you had a chance to play at Augusta National as an amateur, correct? Yes. And I believe that was back in, what, 2019? Yeah, I played the first year in 2019, um, which was my senior year of college. So it was a nice way to finish out the, the senior year. <laughs> so, what? yeah. Yeah, I would say, 
there's a lot of people that would give a le- you know their left arm to to play Augusta National. So what was the experience like for you? Because obviously you had to be pretty excited because you know obviously I'm sure over the years you've seen plenty of of Masters tournaments even at your young age of 25. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a few, and now you've had a chance to get out there and play where some of the best in the world have played. Um, what was that experience like for you? What was your impression when you first, you know, drove up, as it were, and, and got out and actually had a good look at the course? What was your impression? Oh, I mean, my first impression, it was definitely, like, the best experience of my life. Um, it was just so cool to be a part of, one, like, history being the first couple, um, the first group to go play at the Augusta mm-hmm. National Women's Amateur. And just, two to just even get to the course was such a feat for me. Um, I think, well, back in the day, obviously, everyone watched the Masters, but in Australia, you have to wake up at, like, really strange hours of the morning just to come watch it. (laughs) And so me and Dad would sometimes watch it, and we'd be so excited. Um, And I just, I think it was just such such a crazy moment for me that I could even believe that I could even play the course because for so long, I didn't even, I didn't even think I could even you know, watch the Masters because it, just, it mm-hmm. just seemed so far out of reach, let alone play at the course the week before the Masters. Um, and so that was just, it was just such a cool week. I couldn't believe it. Every, every step I was taking on the course, I just couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Yeah, and, and it, it is aesthetically, I mean, obviously go, there are many beautiful golf courses around the world, but there's something about Augusta National with the azaleas and, and so forth when they're in bloom. It's just absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. And it's, um, I, I'm, I think it would be safe to say that it probably far exceeded your expectations because even the TV doesn't do it justice when you see it. I mean, it's beautiful it on really TV, doesn't. but when you see it in Right, when you see it in person. Did you find it hard when you were actually around the course playing that sometimes just looking around, you know, when you were waiting for your turn, that it was distracting? It was very distracting, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was hard to keep a focus on the golf game, um, just knowing that you were out there and, and hitting shots where, you know, probably tons of other great players have hit shots from. Um yeah, it was really hard to keep a focus on the score and what was actually happening. Um, but I loved it. It was so good. I actually, the first time I stepped out on course was we had the champions dinner. And so we would have, um, they had like something set up outside and it was really cool. And um, I pretty, I cried the first time I saw it just because it was like, wow. It was golden hour, like the sun was hitting all the hills in all the right spaces. It was just, it was mm-hmm. definitely magic out there. So you really can't compare it to many things. You know, I I was thinking um, while you were saying that there was a player, and I can't think it was a, one of the men's players, obviously that's played at the Augusta National uh, Masters for for years, and he made a statement one time, and I'm paraphrasing, but. He said that one time he was playing there, he said, just to show you how magical Augusta National is, he said that he was playing and he looked around and he said, even the squirrel stopped while he was hitting a shot to watch. <laughs> yeah, now, obviously he was I wouldn't having be surprised. Fun, but it was just, <laughs> so it was obviously, so um, obviously it was a great event. 
and you had an opportunity, and I'm sure given that opportunity again, you would be there in a minute. And it's, again, something I think, um, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk um, whether that's actually going to happen or not. Um, there's been a lot of discussion over the last several years about actually having a women's masters tournament. Um, so I'm sure if that comes to fruition, I know they're still doing the, the amateur, but um, if it turns into a professional event, I'm pretty certain you're going to do your best to try to get into that event. Uh, would I be right? Yes, that would definitely be on my bucket list <laughs> to go play it again as a professional. Be so, I'd love another chance to play there. I think that that just may be a possibility. So you turned pro, if I'm, uh, again, forgive me if I'm incorrect, in 2020, correct? I did, that's right. I went to I went to Q school in 2018, but didn't turn pro until 2020. So now we're coming into, at that time, um, into a pandemic, and everything's kind yeah. of chaotic. So now you, you've turned pro um, in 2020, uh, tournaments are cut way back, uh, and actually initially were non-existent. They were really struggling. So a lot of players found it very difficult to find their rhythm, and especially for somebody like yourself that's just starting out in the professional ring, you've now had a, a sort of a, a, a pause, if you will, in your game. Um, what did you do before things started to, to get back to somewhat of a normalcy because a lot of players would you know we would see videos all over the place where they were practicing you know at home doing all kinds of weird chip shots there were YouTube you know videos coming up all over the place TikTok and so forth what did you do during that downtime while you waited for the tour to decide okay this is what we're going to do um, yeah so 2020 was obviously a pretty pretty strange year for everyone um, and I had come over to the States to play the first event of the now Epson tour um, in yes. Florida. And at that time, mm -hmm. it was March of 2020, so it was still up in the air what was going to happen. And then immediately after that, they had, you know, announced the pandemic, this and that, and the tour had said that they were going to restart in about a month's time. And so at that time, I figured... I didn't even know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I figured mm -hmm. I'll have to stay around here for another month because obviously going back and forth from Australia can be quite a, quite a trek. So I didn't really want to waste the money or the, um, or the time if I, if all I had to do was turn right around. And so I waited it out for a month and then it kind of, I think the gravity of COVID had kind of sunken in and it kept getting pushed back until July or August and then we had yep. started our tour. And so I was in Texas for the most part of that um, with my coach, Peter Murphy, um, and his mm -hmm. family who I'm very thankful that they took me in at that time because I was a little bit of a golf nomad, not really knowing what to do or where to practice. <laughs> Um, and they took me under their wing, which was really cool. And I didn't really, I guess I just practiced a little bit. Most things in Texas were still pretty open. Um, obviously, just not many tournaments going on. And right. I 
I guess if I was getting into any hobbies, I got into running and knitting. So <laughs> got a little crafty during quarantine. Oh, and I did a lot of baking. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, I'm sure they, they benefited from that. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was so. funny because a, a lot of, a lot of the players didn't know what, because you know, and and you're you're starting to realize this now as, as you're you know been on uh, tour for a little bit now, that it's hard because you get yourself into a rhythm. You find a rhythm, yes. you know, week to week you're playing, and you know you might get a week off here and there, um, but you're now getting into sort of tournament mode, and you're going from event to event, and all of a sudden that comes to a screeching halt right at the beginning of the season. And a lot of players, to be honest, right. um, you know, we talked to some through that process. They didn't know what to do with themselves. They really didn't. And I think out of just sheer boredom and frustration, they decided to start posting some videos of, well, whatever. Some of them were hitting golf shots. Some of them were doing things <laughs> like you're doing, running. They, they were just like, I've got to do something. I'm going to go crazy here. Uh, so it was a very, it, it, you know, I say interesting time, um, to say the least, and obviously a very difficult time for some um, certainly don't want to, to play that down. But for, from a golfing perspective, it, it was very hard for a lot of players to, you know, because you're, you're gearing up for months and months and months for a new season. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the, the, you know, the, the proverbial carpet is being pulled out from underneath. And now you've got to figure, okay, what do I do? How do I shut that mode down? Um, right. Because, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be playing. Um, so you obviously found some other things to do. How hard was it for you to get fired back up once things did open up and you were able to get back out and start playing in the events? Were you able to just sort of motivate yourself enough to, okay, i got to get back out here? Um, was it an easy transition for you? Was it difficult? Did you find it took a couple of uh, rounds, a couple of events even, to kind of get back into the swing of things? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was it was really hard. Um, I think I've been playing golf like pretty much nonstop for since I was, you know, 15 mm -hmm. up until that point. And so to have it just come to an absolute standstill was really tricky. And so even before then I had taken, um, so I turned pro in 2018, but had a 20, after I graduated in 2019, I had to take a medical from May to December. And so realistically, I hadn't actually played properly in a competition for a year because 2020 hit. And then again, another six months had gone by. And so it had really sunk in when I played my first tournament. I was like, how do I do this again? How do I, I can play golf, but like, how do I play a competition? This is it. Like I couldn't, mentally wrap my head around how to make a score anymore when it mattered. Um, and so I think 2020 and even a little 2021, like I just really struggled to find my feet and figure out how to play again, like how I had found out how to play in college just to make a score of some sort. Um, but, well, yeah, I mean, eventually and, and you find your rhythm. And I think it goes back to something you said a little bit earlier on, is it really is more of the mental game. Because to get to the level that you're at, you have the physical game. You, you know how to hit a golf shot. You know how to hit to you know drive the ball uh, off the tee. 
but mentally you have to get yourself into sort of that zone, if you will, that playing zone. Mm. And that's yes. not always easy for some players. Some players, it comes to a little easier than others. Um, but if you've kind of been on too much of a downtime, it, it takes a while to sort of get that mental focus back to where it needs to be. And especially, um, you know, let's be honest, I think a lot of players were very disappointed because they were looking forward to 2020. I mean, 2019 was a good season for a lot of players, and they're looking excited to come mm-hmm. back out and, and play. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, uh, well, now what do I do? Um, I want to talk right. something that really caught my eye. I was looking at some of the stats and things. What was really interesting uh, as I went over uh, your, your 2020 and 2021 and even this year so far, and one of the tournaments stuck out. You just played, you just finished actually the Garden City uh, charity classic last week uh, where you finished tied for 13 and back in 2021 forgive my dog uh, you played uh, 2021 so and actually tied for eight um somebody's got her stirred up outside um you tied for eight was that a was that a um a, is that an event uh, or a venue shall we say that fits your eyes, a course that really fits your eyes, because you did very well. I mean, obviously, I know you didn't win the tournament, but you, you finished fairly strong both, both times, in 2021 and again in this year. Is that an event that suited your game quite well? Yeah, it really is. Um, I came back this, well, last week into Garden City with a lot of a lot of good memories just from the year before. Um, I just really like the setup of the course, and obviously, it's just it's very windy out there, very very windy. But mm. and I think that in itself is a mental challenge. But I I actually really enjoy the challenge of playing in the wind um, and getting creative with those kind of shots. And so, I think it's definitely a little bit more fun for me than maybe, I don't know, someone who doesn't like the wind. So I guess that's always a bit of a mental a um, mental positive to take away. Um, and I just like the course in general. It just makes sense to me. I'm not really sure why, but the whole setup just works for me. And, yeah, I was really looking forward, and I felt good coming into this week. Um, and I started off really good, and events actually just trailed off on my back nine, which kind of had a strong finish but didn't really finish as high as I would have liked. Right. Well, and, and again, it, it, it's obviously you're playing week in, week out at the various events, and you're going to have some good rounds, you're going to have some bad rounds, you're going to have some that sort of fall in between. Um, so, But the main thing is, you know, you're playing at an event that – again, fits your eye, that suits your game, and it gives you an opportunity to really shine. You know, Jack Nicholas famously talked about how some golf courses just didn't fit his eye. He'd get out there, and for yeah. some reason it just didn't. And he sometimes, and obviously as he became more successful in his career, uh, in some cases he didn't play in those events. because. And obviously you're right. in a little different category right now because you're, you're yeah. more starting out <laughs> in your career. But, but so, you know, you want to play those uh, events. But... Um, but anyways, so when those opportunities do come through 
and, and arise, you want to take advantage of them. How do you, when you look back over the last couple of years, uh, we'll, we'll shove aside 2020 because obviously, you know, that was a whole different beast. But in 2021, when things started to sort of come back to somewhat of a, a normalcy, and obviously now this year, uh, this year still, you know, we're just starting out. We, I think they've been playing, what, four events on the, the Epson Tour. Um, how would you rate your play? How do you feel overall about your game? Are you where you want to be? I mean, for, forgetting wins, loses, that sort of thing, that's, that just comes with the territory. But how would you assess, if you were to assess yourself, how would you rate yourself? Do you feel you're, you're on your way to um, where you think you should be, or are you where you are right now? Um, I think that like just comparing um, this year to last year with where I'm at and how I felt going into the season, um, I feel a lot better and a lot more, I guess, experienced and a lot more comfortable out on the tour um, compared to last year. And I'm very happy with my game right now. And I've been working a lot with my coach, Peter Murphy, and I have a mentor in Australia um, and a, a mental coach, I guess, Paul and Ellie. Um, and they have been a great addition to the team and really helped me kind of stay on track and, I guess, get those little one percenters. But I'm mentally a lot in a, in a lot better space um, this year and a lot more confident being on tour and how to make a score. Um, and it helps that I've already seen maybe half of the courses and now I, I don't mm -hmm. have to figure out as much how to make travel plans to get to certain places. So the experience helps, but as well as the game being in a lot more solid place, um, puts me a lot more at mental ease. I don't have to be stressing out too much in the off weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, like panicking. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that just comes with experience and time and I guess just I've sorted out a lot of things um, when I was back at home in Australia for the off season, and I've come in with a lot more of a refreshed mindset um, looking at the 2022 season. Yeah, I think it, you know it's interesting because everybody's experience is different. But you know, again, talking with a lot of the uh, young women on the uh, the Epson tour, uh, and, and I'm curious to see if this was something a challenge for you. Um, their first season obviously was difficult because they didn't know the golf courses. They weren't familiar with the venues and traveling, and they didn't know what to do, to be honest. So they were kind of uh, – so mm. did you have sort of a, a buddy, if you will, that kind of uh, took you under their wing, so to speak, on tour that said, okay, here's how you do this, here's how you do that? Did you have that help? Because I know that a lot of them, uh, the ones that have been on for maybe a couple of years, have uh, – from just – conversations have sort of reached back to some of the newer players and saying, here, you know, I'm going to help you with certain things. Did you have that kind of experience? And what were some of the challenges for you early on? Was it the travel? Um, was it just learning the golf courses? What were some of the, the struggles that you had early on your first season out? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that it's actually not talked about enough is that the transition from being an amateur, especially a college amateur, to a pro is, is very different um, in the sense where you really figure out everything on your own um, when you turn pro. And thankfully, I had a lot of help. Um, there's some other Australian girls that were on tour, um, and they were really nice, and they kind of helped me out and, you know, helped me find my footing 
and gave me suggestions as to where I should go to. Um, but, you know, some people don't have, might not have those connections. And it is hard to make that transition. Um, and I think I didn't realize that when I, when I was a, um, I guess, a blissfully ignorant college amateur. I thought I could just jump right in and, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and I I wasn't. I mean, it was hard. It was hard to get around to places. Um, there's no there's no coach to tell you where to go or what flight you're going to get or, you know, mm-hmm. what you're going to have for dinner. Um, and as well as, you know, you're kind of by yourself. I mean, I traveled with, a couple of really nice girls, but for the most part, like you don't have your team around you either. Um, right. So, yeah, it's. I think that was definitely. I got taken aback the first year, um, my rookie year, and I had some good results um, here and there, but it was definitely a lot more shaky. Um, just because, and I feel like I can pitch that up to purely just being inexperienced and plainly being a rookie. Um, and I think the challenges that I had to face was definitely in 2021, I was very, very nomadic in the sense that, Mm-mm. especially cause I'm, I'm not from America. I don't right. have a home out here. And I think that's the struggle of being, um, an international that plays on the American tour is that a lot of the international girls, I find don't have like a home base of any sort. So right. it can be tricky. I think the off weeks were actually more trickier than the, um, than the actual the tournament weeks. weeks because a lot of times last year I found myself trying to like, I guess stressing even more cause I wouldn't even know where to go during my off week. Mm-hmm. I'd have to plan here and plan there and, you know, sort all these things out I couldn't just be like oh I'm just I'm just going to go home like I couldn't I can't just pop over to Australia for a week so right <laughs> it doesn't quite work <laughs> that easily well um, and, so yeah, yeah that and was, I th- that was definitely the challenge yeah and I think you 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 know after a while living out of a suitcase gets a little bit old um you know you're doing mm, that during the tournament does. weeks and then now you, you know like you said you can't just sort of pack up and go home and say, okay, I'm going to do my laundry and, you know, get caught up and ready right. for the next event yeah. uh, and just kick up and stretch. No, you've got to find, I mean, you still have to do laundry, obviously, but you got to figure it out logistically. How am I going to do Am I going to stay at another hotel exactly. somewhere? Or yeah. And so it's, it's always a good idea, uh, Julianne, to make really good friends on tour that have a home close <laughs> by that you can crash at because, uh, and which brings me to another question because, uh, you know, especially for, um, your age group, um, you know, not that it isn't any age group, but socially you're at a, an age where you're wanting to go out and spend time with your friends and, and really, uh, you know, explore new opportunities, new things, and just have a lot of fun. But when you're in this life where you're traveling on tour, it can be exciting in that, but it can also put a, a bit of a strain on your 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 personal life. Um, did you find at times, because again, probably most of your really close friends are back in Australia. Did you find that a little bit of a struggle for you as well sometimes? Yeah, I definitely did. And I did that last year as well. 
um, I had lost my for months in the States. And by the end of the nine months, I was like mentally pretty, pretty beat up after living in my suitcase and just traveling out of that for nine months. Um, and I had realized, I was like, why am I so mentally drained? And on top of that, it was also because I, yeah, I mean, I just hadn't had that social circle. For, well, I have a, there's some really great girls on tour, but I guess it's also good to have sure. a social circle outside of golf to kind of add that, you know, dimension to your life. Um, right. So, yeah, that was, that was hard. Um but, I mean, that's just the lifestyle that I guess we've all kind of signed up for as professional golfers. Um, and thankfully, like, I hadn't seen my friends in nine months. But, like, I went and saw them and we, you know, we hit it off just like that as if I hadn't left. Um, and so that was, that was always just really comforting. And I think, I think a lot of girls on tour would have those really, really close friends. Um, because you almost have to. I mean, you never see each other. So. <laughs> yes. Now, do do they follow you on on golf? Like, obviously, um, you know, the Epson's not televised like like the uh, the LPJ is. But do they? I'm assuming that you. And I'd be surprised if you weren't. You're on obviously some social media platforms. Do you kind of post things and saying, "Hey, we're in at the Garden City, you know, uh, Charity Classic this week," and blah 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 blah. Here's what's going on. Do you kind of keep in touch? Do they kind of follow what's going on in your golf? Career? I'm talking about your friends at home, not your your golfing friends that you've made here. But yeah, um, do they kind of keep keep in tune with what's happening and and you kind of communicate the the ups and the downs with them? from time to time? Yeah, I think I think I do I'll like talk to them every now and again and have a chat with them over the phone. Um but a lot of them they'll I I think they try to follow along but they don't really understand what's going on. So I'll have right. to like explain what's going on. <laughs> well they're, and, and they're especially if they're not support, which is great. <laughs> yeah, if they're not golf yeah, if they're not golf that's the thing is you've got two different camps. You've got your golfing camp where you know the girls can relate and understand because they're out there battling it out on tour. They they feel the same frustrations uh, and anxieties that you do. But your you know closer friends maybe back home that you grew up with, went to school with, and that that don't play golf. They're like, I don't get it. You know, I don't. I just don't understand. Yeah. And you know, so you've got to kind of break it down for them in that. Um, Julianne, what do you think are? We're going to go back to golf here for a second. What do you think are some of your strengths and your weaknesses of your game? What where do you really feel? your game is pretty solid, and what part of your game do you kind of, from time to time, it lets you down a little bit? Um, I would definitely rank them in the order of driving and then, like, long line, like, hitting, and then mm-hmm. putting, and then short game. So short game, I don't know, it's tricky because I... Fine. I always like try and work on it and everything, and it's something that I do need to work on more a little because it has costed me some shots here and there. Um, but like for example, in Garden City, like I hadn't, I didn't miss many greens, so then I was like, oh, like my short game was fine, but I actually didn't even have any <laughs> short game shots. So <laughs> right, it's something I need to <laughs> well, that's the way you want a little it. more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I, you want, though. I mean, hey, that's a that's a yeah. <laughs> that's a terrible problem to have, Julianne, is to hit greens all the time. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but the um, I was just gonna say that, like, 
I mean, you can't bet on your long game always going to be, always going right. to put yourself in a birdie position. So when I do miss the greens, I think, I think Garden City was an eye opener because I think I could have saved a lot of shots had I have just chipped it around a little closer. Um, but yeah, I think that was an eye opener, and I was like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely a short game. <laughs> Need some work, but it's good because the long game has definitely, in some uh, senses, been a real big strength in terms of that I don't really need to, uh, you know, put too much pressure on my on my weak points. Well, I, and and I think what it boils down to is, you know, when you're on the range, you know, you're hitting your driver, you're hitting your your longer clubs and you develop a rhythm. The short game is a, is more of a finesse game. That's a real feel game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of uh, I mean, I think at your level it's a little bit different than the amateur level, but most amateurs as an example, they don't practice the short little shots as much as they should. So, you know, they can hit mm-hmm. a pretty decent drive and they can, you know, they can hit a pretty decent shot, you know, at the green. Sometimes they'll get it on, sometimes they won't. But then those little shots, those, you know, 25-yard pitch shots, 50-yard pitch shots, what have you, or bunker shots even they haven't got a clue because they don't practice them. Uh, and then they get on right. there and they're three-putting because they're not practicing the putt. Right. <laughs> so, you know, they don't obviously have the, the same level of game to fall back on that you do and, and aren't hitting greens and regulations like you do. Um, an interesting question. Uh, if golf was not in the picture, if, let's say, dad didn't take you out, you didn't follow him around earlier on, and golf was just not in your radar, um, what do you think your career would be? Um, I don't know. I've thought about that lately, and I've wondered what might have happened had I not ever picked up a club. Um, I consider myself pretty creative, and I like business. I graduated in accounting, um, Mm -hmm. so I think I would always kind of veer towards business. Um, But I think lately I've been interested in tech, so who knows, maybe Mm -hmm. I would have done something in that sense or work in that sense I'm not really sure <laughs> I couldn't even tell you but I think just because that's what I'm interested in right now maybe that's what I would have done yeah and I think that's something as as time goes on you can always do other things but um, and I know you you obviously study business and um, and that in at Oklahoma um, which is always good to get a good education because you you know you never know what so regardless of whether you're mm-hmm. playing as a professional golfer or or something else it's always good to have that education to fall back on. Uh, I was going to ask you something. Um, I was watching one of the videos that you had done and it talked about how there came a point in time in your game that you began to surpass your dad and. Uh, obviously, you know, Dad taught you uh, a little bit earlier on, showed you a few things. Um, and then he kind of came up with an excuse to put the clubs away. Um, <laughs> I think you probably know what, I, what I'm talking about. So, obviously, yeah. you know, Dad was, was beating you pretty good probably for a while, but then there came a point in time where your game was uh, elevated several notches. What was his excuse? Um, his excuse was that he he was like, oh, my, my back's starting to hurt after a while. Um, and it's funny because I guess I, Dad obviously really got me into golf and 
he was actually, I mean, I'm not going to play it down. He was actually really good. Like he had taught himself mm-hmm. and figured out a way how to hit it. Um, and he would have been like a single handicapper or all that. Like he was really good mm-hmm. at golf back in the day. Um, and so I started picking it up with him and he was also very competitive. Um, he was a bit of a mm-hmm. sportsman himself um, and quite an athlete. And I think that that competitive side also came, <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I think I right. definitely inherited that side of him. Um, and so we would have these matches and he he was not the dad who would let me, who would just let me win. He would, he would right. if he won, he would kind of rub it in my face and then make me want to <laughs> beat him the next time. <laughs> Which right. was good. I mean, I loved it. It was fun. And so I think it was definitely probably a little humbling once I started to outdrive him and out, right. I guess, outplay him. And then I guess that competitive side of him, he was just like, hmm, I think I'm just going to start catting for you now <laughs> right. instead of trying to, trying to play against you. But we play it every now and again when I'm back at home now. Um and, yeah, we still have little matches every now and again. Um, but I'll have to get him a you know, it, <laughs> Well, hey, that's that's what a good daughter yeah. would do. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's good that he did that in the manner that he did, that he, you know, didn't just let you win because it, it, it helps you develop a, a drive and a desire to want to get better. Um, so he obviously did you well uh, and served you well, rather, um, by going that route and and uh, you know I don't think he rubbed it in too hard but he kind of let you know hey I'm the you know he did his happy dance on the 18th green and <laughs> you know he uh, maybe a couple of fist pumps or whatever uh, but at some right. point you turn that around and it was your turn to do the happy dance and the fist pumps and so forth yeah. so and I'm sure um, without even asking him I'm sure he's very proud of of you know the young woman that you've grown into and and what you're doing on tour and and he's probably, I'm sure, uh, your biggest fan um, out there as well. So does he get an opportunity? Has he come over to, to be able to watch you play at all? Or, or does he just sort of hear, you know, through you and, and what? Um, he actually came to – he's actually never come to a college – he's come to one college game with my mom, and that was my last mm-hmm. college game ever. And um, – but besides that, he had come to Caddy for like during the summer golf um, period. But besides that, he hasn't really mm-hmm. seen me play a whole lot whilst I'm in America. But I'm right. planning, I'm thinking about, now that the borders are open in Australia, Right. I'm thinking that it might be a good idea for, I guess, maybe my parents to come here just to have a look. Um, or I'm not sure. That would be, that's just like, one idea that's on the plate, so it could be cool. And he'll finally get to see, um, I guess, what tour life is really like. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can he can be the one to sh- schlep the bags to the hotel room for you. And not, right, kind of like I know. Your, uh, your, your, yeah. your bellhop, you can just get yourself a little bell at, uh, at the store and yeah. just ding, 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 ding. So last question, what are your goals this season? I think I can pretty much guess one of them. Uh, you're looking for a W this season. Um, but what are some of your other goals? What do you, when you look forward uh, to a new season, what's your game plan? What do you put in vision as you look forward to the next season? What was your vision for right. 2022? Um, 
obviously like the the results goals are to get the card, come top ten, and a win would be beyond awesome. Um, but I think for myself and working on myself mentally in the golf aspect, and I guess it also flows into me as a person, is I kind of wanted to, I guess, not invest. I want to make sure that I'm mentally not so invested and putting so much of my identity into golf. Um, And I guess I kind of want to keep them separate in a way and understand, you know, a a little bit more of a holistic approach. Um, Right. Because it's hard. It's mentally hard to keep yourself motivated if you have so much expectations and um, the pressures of the tour. If you keep letting Mm -hmm. them... Um, bog you down like they will bog you down. And so I think this time around, I want to make sure that I'm pacing myself, um, like mm-hmm. men- like skipping tournaments if I need to. I've already skipped, I skipped the first one in Florida because I just mentally needed another week at home in Australia. And I right. think that was good for me. And now I've come with a much more fresh, um, fresh head coming into this into the tour and so I think just kind of you know obviously striving to be my best but also making sure that I'm I'm well and healthy all along the way because it really is a marathon this the Epson tour yep and it's all about longevity and to keep yourself fresh even up until the last very last tournament because it really does matter up until up until the very, very last part. So um, I think going into then, I think pacing myself mentally and keeping healthy um, and keeping balance as well, you know, not being, mm-hmm. having a balanced lifestyle is kind of what I'm looking for this year on and off the golf course. Yeah, I think you have to, you're exactly right, well said. I think you have to find... Um, definitely balance in your life. Um, obviously, this is a career that you've chosen, and uh, it requires a certain commitment to be able to battle it out. And I think that's something that a lot of, you know, a lot of amateur players. I'm I'm a teacher professional, so I'm not quite in the same uh, area as you are in golf, but I'm in golf and I see a lot of players. And what's interesting is amateur golfers don't really appreciate it. They look at it as a glamorous thing. They say, oh, wow, what, boy, it would be cool to, to be out there battling it out on, <laughs> on the, you know, the LPGA or the PGA or whatever. They just think it's so cool and all the great place you get to go. And, yes, there is a certain element of truth to that. You know, it is in a way, it, it's, especially for a rookie, you, know, you come out there the first couple of years, it's like, wow, look at that. But then reality sets in, you know, living suitcase to suitcase and ho- hopping from hotel and, and in your case, you know, when you don't have a residence here in the United States, you know, what do you do in between tournaments when there's a, a break, a week or two, you know, weeks, whatever the case may be, uh, or you're not feeling, you know, at your best and you've got to either drop out or not play an event, what do you do? So there's a lot of challenges that come with it. But if I was to give you one little nugget of advice, and this is just based on obviously my, I'm much older than you are, um, but my personal experience and just from talking with a lot of the other players, the one thing that they came to realize, especially some of the, the young ladies like yourself that have been out for a few years, is they came to the realization that, yeah, I've got to work hard, I've got to, you know, nose to the grindstones, so to speak, 
but I can't forget to have fun while I'm out here because if I'm not having fun, then it's not something that I want to do. And it was amazing that a number of players, and I've said this many times on the show over the last couple of years, that once they sort of let go that pressure of, you know, making it so uh, just a job and not actually having a, you know, a fun, uh, enjoyable experience, they actually went to play better. They actually went on to win mm-hmm. uh, in many cases. So yeah. that's what I would say to you. And that doesn't mean that you just, you know, hey, I'm not going to get out and practice today. No, you still have to do your <laughs> due diligence. But I think, you know, otherwise you're, you're going to be, it's a short career. But you have to remember, uh, Julianne, to go out and have fun. And I'm sure your coach has probably said that to you at some point as well. And your, your you know, uh, parents have said that over the years is you've got to have fun and enjoy what you're doing because otherwise it's, it'll be miserable. And I think, you know, you've got, from what I gather, just in the, the short time, it's hard to believe you've been with me for an hour or so. Time flies. Uh, but <laughs> you have a very upbeat, very positive personality, so I think that will serve you well out on tour as well. But um, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's important for you to make sure you're having fun while you're out there? Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to stop you because you're on a roll, but I 100% agree. I <laughs> no, think go ahead. You, ha- you have to jump. You have to jump in, or you'll never get a word in. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind next time. Um, it's just I think it was a big learning curve for me last year as well, and that's what I have kind of. I guess I kind of beat around the bush um, as to what I wanted this year. But yeah, basically this year I want to go in there having having a lot more fun and just enjoying the experience because Mm -hmm. I mean it's just like and it's not just for golf I think it's just for life in general like I think that Mm -hmm. you know if you're not having fun now like when are you going to have fun you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's important and it does make the grind it makes the grind a lot easier than Mm -hmm. and it makes the great times you know just that much better so there really is no downside to it, and it is good. I mean, it's like I said, this lifestyle is particularly um, challenging, and so you really have to go into it with with a with a good set of um, with a good head on your shoulders and a positive attitude, and you know, just not let the not let the bad weeks get to you, and enjoy mm-hmm. the ride, I guess, because it's it's a Yes, like you said, the, um, a lot of people think it's a glamorous lifestyle, and I'm not going to lie, there's been some really, really cool, cool moments that I wouldn't, yep. wouldn't, um, yeah, wouldn't trade for anything. But um, at the same time, like there's been lows, and it's it's mm-hmm. a matter of finding that balance and being okay with the lows and just really enjoying those highs. Yeah, and, and I think it's also you have to turn those um, moments when things don't go well into a learning opportunity. Um, when you're hitting exactly, that shot, yes. don't carry don't yeah don't carry on you know over the next hole with uh, you know because you hit a bad uh, you know tee shot on on hole number five. When you get to hole number six, don't think about that. It's a bad shot. It didn't ha- you know it's over. It's done. You can't change it, and you're on a new hole now. It's a whole new opportunity and I think Mm -hmm. that's where the mental side comes in but again you know you get to a point where you don't take yourself so seriously that you 
say to yourself, gosh, and you know, I played terrible last week or I did this last week and I can't believe it, and here you are at the next event and you're still talking about it. If you're still talking about it, right. um, then that's, you haven't let it go. And I think that's yeah. where the fun part yeah, that's where the fun part comes in. And you've just got to be able to do that. And I think I think you will. I think it's again it's a learning experience. Um, you know, you're you're trying to find your chops, if you will, you know, early on in the tour and you it you know, you're starting to get yourself into a rhythm now and you're getting a better understanding of what the process is and I think it's it's going to serve you well in the long run. Um Julianne, I want to thank you very much for spending time and thank you particularly for spending a little extra time uh and killing uh, this hour for me. Um it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been interesting to learn about your journey and where your perspectives are. And I think you're going to do very, very well. And I hope you win this year. I really do. Um, so you can come back and talk to uh, me again, and uh, I'll make sure Cindy's there as well. But good luck this season. I hope you're, uh, uh, you know, I hope that you get a win un- under your belt and just have fun. Will do. Thank you so much for the chat. It's been real fun. All right. You take care and you have a good season. All righty. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, uh, Julianne Sue, uh, Epson Tour player, uh, a little up close and personal, if you will, talking about her journey on tour and uh, a little bit about how she got to the game to begin with. Um, very interesting young lady. I certainly enjoyed uh, speaking with her. I'm glad she was able to stick around for a little while. Uh, program note, next week there will not be a show, which will be May 17th. Uh, sorry, May 10th, pardon me, May 10th. Uh, will not uh, be a show. I'm going to be in Pinehurst, as I believe I mentioned last week, uh, playing my own game, hopefully having some fun and and not embarrassing myself too much. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Cindy and I will return on the 17th, which will be the following week. So next week, no Women of Golf show. Keep that in mind. Uh, But I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Go out there and have your own fun out on the range and out on the golf course. God bless everybody, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.